Hello, and welcome to the Becker's Clinical Leadership and Pharmacy Virtual Event. I'm Ayla Ellison, Editor-in-Chief of Becker's Hospital Review, and I'm pleased to be your moderator for today's discussion. I'm joined by three experts today to discuss their best practices for attracting and retaining young talent. But before we dive into my questions, I'd like to turn the floor over to each of our panelists to introduce themselves and tell us a little bit more about their organizations. So Mark, can I start with you today? Yes, hi Ayla, and, and thank you for having me on. I'm Mark Riesacher, I'm the Chief Physician Executive at Intermountain Healthcare. Intermountain is an integrated delivery network uh, located in the Intermountain West with headquarters in Salt Lake City. Um, it's, uh, it's a group of hospitals, uh, 23 hospitals, one virtual. Um, we've got uh, three medical groups and in, in one in Idaho, one in Utah, and one in Las Vegas, Nevada. And we have a health plan, Select Health, that ensures, actually we just went over a, a million people that we insure at Select Health and uh, you know, at Intermountain, our, our mission is helping people live the healthiest lives possible. And we really are, um, we're built on the people that, that work here, that our, our culture and that, that common purpose is what drives uh, each of us every day to be our very best for those that we serve and for each other. So uh, it's a real pleasure for, for me to be here. Thank you so much, Mark. And Bob, I'll turn the floor over to you now. I'm Bob Weber. I'm the Chief Pharmacy Officer at the Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center. We're a 1,500-bed academic medical center. Uh, the pharmacy department is quite large. We have 700 folks in the department, around 325 pharmacists. We offer a wide range of services. The medical center is closely affiliated with the university, has a strong research engine, and a very strong medical staff. And I'm very, very glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. And Tim, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about MultiCare? Sure, I'm Tim Lynch. I'm the Senior Vice President for Clinical Services for MultiCare. Uh, MultiCare is a nonprofit health, health system in the Pacific Northwest. Um, we've been in our community for well over 100 years. We have over 20,000 employees um, and servicing Washington State. We are um, <clears throat> a Tacoma-centric hospital-based organization that is the largest not-for-profit community-based locally owned health system in Washington. So we're very proud of that um, and the service that we provide to our communities. We have over 11 hospitals and a number of services, including uh, primary care, virtual, urgent care, and uh, a pediatric hospital. And I'm very excited to be part of this group and to talk about uh, this today. Thank you so much, Tim. I'm really excited for our conversation. Um, national headlines, Becker's hospital review headlines every day are focused on the workforce challenges hospitals and health systems across the country are facing. Um, depending on what market you're in or what state you're in, those challenges might differ, but we're hearing from hospital and um, health system executives every day about the challenges that they're facing. So I wanna start the conversation today by having each of you rank on a scale of one to five, with five being extremely difficult, how hard it is to recruit young talent today. And, and Bob, can you go first for that question? Sure, I'll be glad to. Um, <clears throat> I would say four, uh, primarily because um, we're, we live in a metropolitan area where uh, there's lots of great health systems, there's lots of great opportunities for our students and for our new pharmacists coming out of school. 
And so we, we have to offer for them a, a rewarding career and a rewarding experience at Ohio State that has significant advantages over others in the, in the area. So uh, I would say it's a four. I would say it takes lots of time, effort, and energy. For example, 20 years ago, uh, it took us maybe an hour to interview somebody uh, to make a decision. Now, you know, students come in for two and three interviews, two and three hours apiece. They investigate the city. They're, they're just much more invested in the job and what it's going to do for them. So, so I would rank it as a four. Four in a, in a very competitive market. Mark, what would you say? What would you rank it on a scale of one to five? Well, I, um, I, I try not to give too many nuanced answers, but from a physician perspective, it's, it does depend a little bit on what specialty you're talking about. So I actually called our senior medical director for medical specialties. So these are rheumatologists and endocrinologists and neurologists. And, you know, he, he said, absolutely, it's a five. Um, we... Um, they're in really high demand, and I'd say even, but even more importantly, uh, you know, people coming out of training today are really looking for something that resonates with who they are, uh, with how, with what they want to accomplish in the world, and they are, and I think, I think Bob was, was um, spot on when he says it's multiple interviews because they want to join teams that, that are aligned with their values and aligned with what they want to accomplish in their healthcare career. And so it's a really incumbent upon any leader and any team to be really clear about what their common purpose is and why they come together to, uh, in, to work every day and, and take care of people, and then be able to share that with, with um, young, um, young people coming out of training uh, in a way that's inspiring and and connects to them at on both a professional and a personal level. Thank you so much, Mark. And Tim, what would you say on a scale of one to five? Yeah, I'm going to follow Mark's lead a little bit. I think it depends a little bit on what we're looking at. As I look at across the the clinical service lines that I I support, um, we've seen particularly during the COVID. Um, uh, pandemic, just uh, an increasingly large challenge with recruiting specialized uh, providers and even those that we wouldn't necessarily have thought about before, such as MAs or CNAs or um, EVS workers for that, for that matter. So I think it, over this last year, um, we've seen a dramatic change in the labor market and it has been increasingly difficult for uh, us to identify top talent, primarily because we're competing with the marketplace. And healthcare is a very challenging environment for people to work within. Um, our hours are not uh, the Monday through Friday, nine to five hours. Um, our pay is, we're bumping up against competitors in the marketplace that, uh, that you know, people will, will opt into uh, so they don't have to deal with some of the the lesser fun parts of healthcare. Um, so we're seeing uh, those significant challenges as headwinds to recruiting. And I, I would say um, a four, uh, a four uh, is definitely in the, in the ballpark. And again, I think it depends on which clinicians you're looking at or which support services or support members that you're looking at. 
and I think we're competing with with groups that we never thought we would compete with historically um, in our careers. Previously, we were competing with our other healthcare partners in the community. Now we're competing with other um, other large uh, organizations that are completely outside healthcare. So I think that's a new dynamic that we're facing. So an increasingly competitive market. Uh, people that are joining your, your teams, they're more invested in your organizations and, and the cities they're located in. Um, and, and so I, I think you all have done a really great job of, of outlining some of the, the biggest challenges that your organizations are face, facing in recruitment. It sounds like in general, a four to five, depending on the specialty um, in terms of how difficult it is to recruit today. So I guess the, the next question I wanna move on to is, is what do you do? So we, you know, you, you've outlined some of these challenges that you're facing. How are your organizations approaching these challenges and, and how has your, your strategy with recruitment changed um, given the current environment? And Mark, can I start with you for that question? Yeah, th thanks. And I, you know, I alluded to this a little bit previously in terms of, you know, how, you know, kind of how you describe who you are as an organization and, and what, it, what it's like to work at, at a multi-care or Ohio State or Intermountain Healthcare. And, um, but I think there's some other things that are really important to be doing at this time. Um, the first is you need to be rethinking how, you know, how flexible you are in your approach to the workforce. And flexibility, um, not only for physicians, but uh, for our pharmacists, for our nurses, for, you know, Tim alluded to the challenging hours, you know, we, we all care for people 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every, every day of the year. And so um, being more flexible and reexamining some of the, you know, the way we've always done it, things is really important to do. The other thing that I think is important to do is look at your processes for recruiting and hiring and onboarding and make them as easy as possible, as digital as possible. Um, uh, you know, we, we've gotten to the point where we can uh, take an applicant for a nursing position and in, in a handful of days or less, and even sometimes on the same day, be making provisional offers. And so, so speed to decisions is really important as well. Um, it, lastly, I, I think you have to be thinking about the future. So it's, it's one thing to be focused on what you need today, but there's got to be a plan for your workforce for the future. And you have to assume that 10 to 20% of jobs are going to transform significantly in the next five to 10 years. And so how do you upskill people? How do you cross-skill them? I, the, those were key things to do during the pandemic. And we've We've kept those things very close to us as we've thought about how, how we're going to uh, serve people and recruit people in the future. Really great advice for, you know, making sure that you are moving swiftly when you're making offers, being flexible with, with all, you know, not just physicians, but, but other staff as well. And just continuing some of what you mentioned that started in the pandemic a bit, but it's just helping people build and grow skills. Um, Bob, what would you add to that? What I mean, those, those are super great points, Mark. Um, I, I would say that most younger pharmacists 
what they want in their career is different than what I wanted uh, some years ago. So mo most younger pharmacists want a retirement plan that they can move around. So they're, they're not into pensions. So, and they also want a free time that gives them the flexibility to do various things. So different schedules than I worked when I was a young pharmacist, I think are really important for them. Pay is an issue, but only to a point with them. Again, free time, personal time, sort of the flexibility to have benefits that they can sort of take with them to other places. And they also don't stay as long at places. So for example, I stayed 28 years at the University of Pittsburgh and most of our young pharmacists, if they stay five years, that's a long time for them. So many of them are interested in moving around and getting as many experiences as, as they can to be able to get the most out of their career. But, but I would say the work-life balance is also extremely valuable to the young pharmacist. And, and part of what we have to show them is that we provide an environment that's safe for them, but also that promotes this flexibility and scheduling, flexibility, and just sort of the work that they do. So more flexibility, you're kind of responding to, to what you're seeing in, the, in this newer, younger, um, younger pharmacists who are wanting this flexibility, moving around more than, and then maybe you did in your career or others. Tim, what would you add to this? What are, how is your, how is MultiCare overcoming some of these challenges that we outlined earlier in the discussion? Well, I think uh, Bob and Mark did a great job of outlining some of those challenges and some of the responses to it. <clears throat> I think one of the things uh, that we're looking at is, you know, we've, in, in the midst of COVID, we've, we've, shifted to this virtual world and i and i think that's going to stick with us into the future so i think looking at non-traditional ways of working is something that we're going to continue continue to evaluate and identify where it makes sense to have uh, workers uh, remote and working in different environments or different ways than we have historically um, we may not be able to recruit the people that live within our 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 catchment area to do all the work that we need to do. So really thinking outside the box and where it makes sense to expand our remote workers and, and recruit from across the country rather than just in our geographic region, I think is one thing to think about. Um, the other thing is looking at, you know, rec recruiting externally is a, is a tremendous challenge. As, as, Bob, as Mark talked about, you have to be super quick. These, these applicants are getting offers from across the, the country for, uh, for wages and for benefits that maybe you can't compete with. So you have to be very nimble and very quick in how you respond to those applicants. And I think you have to be very savvy and look at non-traditional ways of recruiting people. I think we've all, we all have our job posting website that we hope people will kind of opt into, but thinking about you know, the people that we're recruiting are people that are very savvy with social media. So what are the other platforms that we need to think about beyond our traditional mechanisms, whether it's Facebook or LinkedIn or Indeed or whatever that, um, that platform is. One of the things that we're really looking at is because we, we are often challenged with recruiting people into these roles, we've got, uh, we've got a population of uh, team members who have already chosen us. They're already working for us. So how do we grow them into new roles? Um, so we've been partnering with our, our local schools. We've been, we've been also looking at in, in developing our own internal programs 
Uh, for example, pharmacy technicians are extremely hard to recruit. Um, the, the schools are having a tough time getting applicants because the pay for someone, they can go to a local well-known coffee shop and be making more money doing that and working the hours that they choose versus coming into us and having to pick up a night shift. And so looking at how do we take the people that may be working in, in our, our EVS or as a CNA and upskilling them and training them to take on a, a, a semi-professional career, um, looking at them, training them into pharmacy technicians or training them into other areas. So we've been looking at developing our own programs internally that we can train people, people that have already pledged uh, to be part of our organization. We already know them, they know us. We're all committed uh, to each other's success and just bringing them into the workforce and giving them those skills. And maybe that's a pathway to getting them from a pharmacy technician into a pharmacy uh, as a pharmacist. I think the other thing too is just focusing on, and I think Mark, you said it is, we have to look at what people are doing and make sure that we're using them at the very tippy top of their license and maximizing their skill set. So, you know, we've traditionally looked at how we deliver our care. We've traditionally looked at how we use our people. We really need to step back and think about it. Are we really using every one of our, our team members to the very maximum of their licensure or maximum of their potential? Um, so looking at that, I think the other thing too I would add is looking at you know becoming strong partners with your uh, local schools. We've worked with our local community colleges uh, to expand their enrollment for some programs, whether it's in our, um, our technologists for uh, imaging or with our respiratory therapists, partnering with them to really increase their, uh, their offerings for students but then also partnering with them for uh, clinical placement, because I think that's a huge challenge with some of these schools is there's just not enough rotation sites. So thinking outside the box, looking at the partnerships that you already have and really focusing on how you can um, create those win-win situations uh, for your team members, but also for the communities that you serve. So ensuring that that all individuals are, are practicing at the top of their license, investing more in your current workforce and upskilling individuals. And it sounds like strong partnerships with local schools has also um, been something that has worked well for MultiCare. So thank you so much for sharing all of those great examples. Um, my next question I had, which we've kind of touched on a bit um, throughout the discussion, but based on your experience in recruitment, what are these younger workers looking for besides competitive pay? So I know earlier it was mentioned that flexibility in hours or, you know, or, or a retirement plan that can be moved around is something that, that is of interest to them. But what else would you add to that list? What is, what is something that, these, that this younger talent is, is looking for today in the positions that they're pursuing? And uh, Bob, do you want to start with that question? Yeah, I would, I would say that they, folks are looking to practice at the top of their license. So a person with a doctor of pharmacy degree with a residency is looking to come to a place where they're a credentialed provider by the medical staff and they can do things independently like they can at our institution and that they have some responsibility that means something. So when they work in our system, they can actually make a very positive impact on patient care in a very independent way as part of, a, as part of the team. 
And, and so that, that I think is what I hear from them is that, that they want to be providers and they want to be able to do practice within their scope and at the top of their scopes. And so I think that in combination with some of those other things is, is, is what we see folks want when they come to look um, you know, at our positions. And Mark, what would you add to that list? What else are you hearing from, from you know, talent that you've recruited at, at Intermountain or um, you know, what is helping to retain some of that talent too? Well, I think the, I, Bob's exactly right. They, they want to contribute. They want to create value. They, they want to be part of a team that's doing that. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that we can do as, uh, within our organizations is make sure that as we develop people, that we are giving them the skills to be successful in doing these things. Um, so it's not, you know, you know, we all train in, you know, in different professions. And each profession has a different perspective on how value is created. And they even have a different perspective on what healthcare is based on, on what they do. And so, and, and that creates normal, healthy, invigorating tension and discussion. And so, you know, we focus a lot on how, how to empower people in those conversations and, and help them be their very best selves uh, when they come to work. I also, I, I, I like the question with the focus on the millennials, uh, you know, but from a physician perspective, the largest group, uh, the largest generation uh, today is Generation X. And at Intermountain, I think our, you know, I think our youngest caregiver is 17 years old and our oldest is 92 years old. So we, we span multiple generations. And so the other thing I, I, I would just add is that you have to keep each generation in mind as you think about your approach to them. Um, and don't forget that there are benefits you can provide that are not like the defined, here's your health insurance benefit or other things. So, you know, we, we've started creating take-home packs, take-home meals for our caregivers uh, in, in, our ca in our cafeterias. And it's just as a way to say thank you, as a way to recognize the pressure they're under with respect to the uh, inflation and where that's headed. Um, I, I know that Oshner down in New Orleans, when the hurricane hit um, in the middle of the pandemic, they bought gas for their, their uh, uh, employees and caregivers. In fact, there's a nice picture of the CEO pumping gas um, when that happened. And so, you know, yes, look for the right benefits, but don't forget the thank yous and the recognition that can happen on, on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis that leaders can do in your organization. And that's such a great point, Mark, because uh, so much of the conversation today um, and my questions have focused on recruitment and recruiting this young talent, but then it's once they're on your team, um, regardless of age, like how, how are organizations retaining this talent? And sometimes it is uh, you know, competitive pay or more of these defined benefits, but sometimes it's just those day-to-day -day smaller acts that, that add up to, to help people feel more invested in the organization and, and valued. And so those are such great points and thank you for sharing them. Tim, what would you, what would you add? What would you say workers are looking for more today um, in, in the positions they're pursuing and, and what is helping Multicare to retain some of that talent as well? Yeah, I think, um, you know, 
people in the in the job market are really consumers of the workplace. So they're shopping for those jobs that best align with their life goals. So I think it's really critical for you to think about how do you incorporate them into the design of the work? Um, I think the, the newer generations um, are less like the older generations where you came to work, you did your you, you did your best and they, and everybody does their best, but you, you did what the job was and you and that's what the job was. Um, I think today you need to think about how do you engage your your uh, your younger generations into the design of the work? Um, they want to feel valued. They want to see that the work that they do is contributing to others' success or the organization's success. So what what makes it visible to them that they're part of that, that they're part of something bigger than themselves? Um, I think they want to be uh, feel supported in their work. And you can do that through a number of ways. I think it's the recognition that uh, Mark talked about. It's also just in um, looking at what's, uh, what supports them in their life. Um, is it childcare? Is it flexible work hours? Is it um, job sharing? I mean, it's, I think it's all those things that we've talked about over the years, but really looking at how you can leverage those to support that work-life balance that a lot of, um, of, the, of the younger generation is looking for. I think the other thing too we have to, to recognize is we have to, people wanna work for good leaders. And so I think we really need to invest in our leaders and make sure that they're the right people, that they're uh, retaining the top talent. Most people leave their job because of the person they work for, not because of the job that they have or the benefits. Um, so really looking at how do we continue to grow our leaders and making sure that we're giving them the skills and the information and the ability to support their teams in the most effective way. Um, I, I think the other thing too is what is the promotion ladder that you have within your organization? Um, I think over the years, we've, we've really kind of looked at flattening the org structure. Um, and sometimes that, that makes sense, but, but also what's the journey that uh, a new employee is gonna be on over the next three to five years? And is there gonna be a successive growth opportunity for them so that they're going to be able to take on a larger role um, or a broader scope in the future. So I think all of those things are the things that people need to consider. So many great things on, on this list and you, that you've each mentioned. I think, um, Tim, your comment about people leave their, their jobs because of their managers, their boss, their leader, um, more often than because of the work that they're doing. I think that's such a great point. And we need to, our organization's investing in re, recruiting, retaining talent, but also making sure that their current managers and leaders are, are strong um, and, and doing well as well. We have about five minutes left in our conversation today. And so before we wrap up, I want to turn the floor over to each of our panelists to provide um, everyone viewing today with one final takeaway or key piece of advice that they can take back to their organizations. Mark, is there a piece of advice or one more takeaway you'd like to share with everyone viewing today? Um, I, what I would share with everyone is don't forget that the small moments are the moments that matter. Um, you know, uh, Tim mentioned this, you know, when it, your leaders have to know their teams and they have to be connected to them, they have to be really clear about the high standards that we set as a team and committed to holding each other accountable, but 
doing that in a way that's very safe, you know, safe for people to ask questions and raise their hand and speak up. And, you know, you, you want that pharmacist to speak up and tell the surgeon that they, they should not give that medicine and, and do so without, with, with, with no fear of repercussion and knowing that they're going to be thanked for doing exactly that. So Tim's right. The, you know, the growth of your leaders and development of your leaders is really important. And in the end, when people look back, they're going to remember the small moments that, that matter the most and that's the things that happened across time. Uh, and so it's incumbent upon all of us to make sure that we have the right environments to make those happen. Thank you so much, Mark. And, and Bob, what would you add to that? Well, what's your final piece of advice or takeaway for attendees? Yeah, I would say don't lose the dynamic of COVID. Uh, during COVID, the decision-making was flexible. It was fast. People did whatever job that they were needed to do. COVID forced us to do things differently. Do not lose that culture in your institution that helped us pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and take care of patients in their most desperate hours and to provide what we needed for them, not having people, having all the issues we've dealt with, but the organizational culture that was really spurned by COVID, I think is very positive because it's taken away a lot of layers and a lot of bureaucracy. And I just hope that we don't lose that in our, in, in, you know, in our hospitals. So continue that that culture and that, that nimbleness um, that everyone has adopted during the pandemic. And Tim, I'll turn the floor over to you now. What piece of advice or final takeaway would you share with everyone today? Yeah, I would just say that I think we need to continue to challenge ourselves to think about who are our best uh, uh, people to fill the open positions that we have. And oftentimes it's the people that are working for us currently. So uh, challenging ourselves to look at how we can grow from within and take people that are already invested in us and that we've already invested in and bring them into, uh, into new roles. I think um, it's a great opportunity for us. And rather than always looking externally for um, who we can re recruit from, it's really just skill building, building people up, um, providing them with opportunities to expand their scope, their role, and really supporting them. And again, I think as Mark and Bob alluded to, I think uh, this last couple of years has been extremely challenging, but it's also provided uh, amazing um, new ways of looking at the world that I think we probably would never have done so had we not gone through it. So that ability to adapt quickly, to be flexible, to be nimble, um, to not create those artificial barriers that we often do uh, to, to discovering why we can't do something. And it looks like we've lost Tim momentarily, but we are coming up at the end of our session. So I want to thank Bob, Mark, thank Tim for his time today, uh, for coming together and sharing your insights on this important topic that is so relevant to um, everyone tuning in today from hospitals and health systems across the country. Um, to all of our attendees, thank you so much for viewing and please let us know if you have any questions or feedback and we hope you can join us for future Becker's events. Thank you so much.